Moving Iron Podcast is proud to be part of the Global Ag Network. The network is going live soon, so check out globalagnetwork.com for more details and updates. Now on to the show. Moving Welcome to Moving Iron Podcast number 124. I'm uh, on the road here and I'm with Brent Carlson. You might know his podcast, the Dry Line Farmer Podcast. It's one of my, one of my favorite ones. It makes me laugh when I listen to it. It's got a lot of good stuff and does a lot of different characters and stuff. So him and him and Landon get together about once a week and put out some some good some good comedy there. So Brent, how you doing? I, I'm pretty good. I, I thought I misheard you. You said I'm your favorite podcast, right? You said yes, sir. I'm not That's too right. big on the whole friendship and sharing stuff. I, I'm your favorite. I'm pretty sure I misheard you, but I could have been wrong. <laughs> no, that's a good one. I, I enjoy it. You guys, uh, you guys have a lot of. Uh, you hit the current events, and that's what I like about that. But you put a good funny spin on it. We try to. We just make sure we're not making a point. That's yeah. the main thing. Yeah. We, we don't want anybody to learn anything from our podcast. <laughs> we want you to laugh a little bit and maybe roll your eyes. And if you get something out of it, that's your problem. Yeah. <laughs> that's good stuff, man. So what's uh first part of January here? We've got all kinds of news that have that has kind of come down and um you know the government got back open again. We're back to table talking with China. Got a lot of stuff happening there, so How's that affecting your life, and what's what's different now than you saw this time last year? You know, it gives us more material to talk about. But, um, you know, like on the marketing side, like I trade, you know, speculative along with, you know, we hedge our farm. But, uh, you know, I mean, you can't really, you know, your technical analysis as far as marketing your stuff, I mean, every day is a new day. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, when you're marketing, deci- you can't base your marketing decisions on a tweet. Right. Even if it's from the president. because. Right. Like like yesterday, they said they were going to buy, what, 5 million metric tons or something. Right. And, you know, so soybeans are up 13 on the open, and now they're, what, up 5 or 6? Well, mm-hmm. that's any day in soybeans. I mean, five, 5 cents is nothing. So, you know, as far I mean, the government shut down, I was... You know, I was kind of shocked that he gave... gave I mean, do you call, do you, would you call it he gave in? What would you say? You know, I don't know. I don't know that he gave in. I don't think that's probably the right term. I think he said, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna come back together and, and do this again. But this is gonna happen. So yeah, either you can give me the money or it's not. Because he said, I mean, Pelosi already said that there's not gonna be any wall funding. I mean, she, I mean, verbatim, she said there's not gonna be wall funding. So, yeah. which I expected that, but I was surprised that he didn't hold. I mean, I kind of saw it as a given a little bit, but I mean, you know, he's. I don't know if he was worried about the people that. You know, didn't have job or didn't have job, but weren't getting paid. I mean, right. they were going to get paid eventually. Yeah. But um, I was surprised that he did it. I mean, I was really hoping. I mean, like I said, five billion for a wall that doesn't, you know, that covers the playground maybe. Right. Exactly. But, uh, yeah. but yeah. So as far as the marketing, you know, corn's been what in a twenty cent range over the last fall, yeah. fall and winter. So uh, we just actually got through selling the rest. We've got some cotton left to sell. Just kind of the scraps, yeah. but we just got got through selling most all of it, and, um, you know, it's 
it's been the same way with as the grains. I mean, it hadn't moved much. Yeah. And uh, of course, cotton, you've got your grades and your, you know, all that stuff to deal with versus the grain where it's just you have what you have. So right. at least down here. Yeah. But, um, you know, marketing, it's kind of, we've just kind of sat still. We hadn't forward contracted anything, and um, I don't see any reason to. And we we were decided on whether we were going to sell the rest of our cotton early on, and, I mean, we might as well just sell it now because we don't foresee any change. I right. Mean, if We might see a dollar dollar bump maybe one day, but, right. you know, the guys like Allen Berg and all those guys got to come in and change their bids. So the basis really hadn't changed. Yeah. So, you know, like, of course – far as weather and everything our, our plant decisions were pretty much where we were corn and cotton mm-hmm. and we've got cattle out on wheat they're grazing we'll pull them off and you know in march yeah and you know as far as contract i mean it's all commodities are the same you know cattle were uh you know we hadn't forward contracted any of them we, we actually got them all on an all-natural program and um really i think the big thing in the all-natural program is the black hides a lot of a lot of Buyers are wanting the black hided cattle. For, I mean, I don't know if it's through the Angus deal or, mm-hmm. but um, so they're wanting that, and um, so we've done the non-hormone deal the last couple of years. We've gotten you know heck upwards of hundred dollars a head premium. So, and that was just not giving them hormones, which we didn't do anyway. We just didn't document it. So now we're documenting it, and they were giving us premium. And you know, the all natural deal is a whole nother. You, you could almost get hundred fifty a head. Yeah. So that really adds to your bottom line. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean. Trump, he's to say he's a wild card is an understatement. That's that's no kidding. Yeah. So I'm looking at 2019, and I'm looking. You're talking about all the stuff that we've got going on, and looking at the equipment business, and, and trying to f- kind of predict what we see happening with buyers and what have you. Um, I don't see a big change in in buying habits or patterns that we that we saw in 2018 and 2019, um, barring some crazy thing happening. Whether right. that's some China thing or some weather event or whatever it might be that, that drives uh, corn up to 450 and, you know, wheat and, and soybeans come along with that. So you feel the same way? Do you feel like there's going to be some similarities to 18 and 19? You know, as far as, like, equipment and, you know, I know steel has gone crazy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We've got a friend that his uh, dad, he has a pump pulling business. And um, I think... His cost per like four inch pipe has tripled. Yeah, it's been since crazy. the last time we bought from him, and that hasn't been that long. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty insane. So I mean, that's his cost. That's not what he's charging, you know, retail wise. So you know, and like they just they've had a few farm sales here in the Panhandle the last you know over the last month, and you know most of it's been. I mean, there's been some pretty modern late late model equipment, but. Like they just, somebody just sold a one of those cotton baler strippers, you know, and it was it brought like five fifty, yeah, five hundred fifty grand, you know, and it was like a what was it? Was it a seventeen model maybe, maybe five four five hundred hours? Mm-hmm. You can get a brand new one for six fifty, right? Which is nuts. I mean, we've got we've all got still the old conventional. We got the basket and the buggy and the builder mm-hmm. and all that stuff and. We had one on order. We had the baler on order. We just decided, you know, we can't justify that. So, and we're glad we didn't. I mean, it's. I mean, obviously, it's more labor, but when it comes time to making that payment, it's you don't feel so bad, right? So, you know, we're not really going to make any any trade. We don't see any big equipment changes in our, you know, for this year. We've got. We're pretty up to. I mean, if we traded anything, we might trade our sprayer. Yeah. Um, it's getting, it's getting six years old. 
Um, and since we're all no-till, that's our one of our biggest pieces of equipment. So, you know, which lends it to our tractors. You know, our tractors, most hours we get put on is the grain cart. Right. So, or the planter, you know. Yep. So we, since we don't do any plowing. You know, combines, we, we're we staying put. We've got one. It's an 8010. We've got an 8010 and 8230. And the 8010 case, it's, you know, we've pretty much replaced everything that wears so we've replaced the bin, the bin, we put sleeves in the bin and unload auger and whole nine yards. So, you know, combines, I mean, are combines moving up your way? They're what? The combines, are they 400 now or are they getting? Uh, like a new one? Oh, yeah. 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 You're, you're going to be in that range. My, that's my biggest fear right now. I think when I look at what we see happening in used equipment, it's, it is combines. I mean, that that is a, because to your point, you know, you had um, a lot of guys have, have, decided to spend the money on, on the combine and they might this might be the second year or third year where they spent fifteen to twenty thousand dollars on their combine and I really think now that they've realized they spent that money they need to get the good out of what they got. Right. And that's what we've done. I mean we've spent that kind of money on just replacement parts. Yeah. So yeah. And it doesn't take much, I mean, to rack up a, a combine <laughs> bill. I mean spend five thousand bucks just changing oil, you know what I mean? Shoot, yeah. Well they charge they charge us five hundred just to get it yeah. to the shop. Yep. Yeah, because we're, you know, we've lost dealers, you know, like crazy. We, yep. You know, we've, we don't have our nearest John Deere dealership. And I mean, this may be normal for everybody. You, you know, used to, we'd have dealer, a deer dealership, a case dealership, all in Hereford. Yeah. And now our nearest one's Amarillo. Yeah. So. Yeah. Now you're seeing that. I mean, it's yeah. across the board, you're starting to see that, that whole dynamic of, of, uh, you know, I always kind of, I kind of put it into a perspective of, as the number of farmers start to contract, same number of acres are being farmed. Right. right? It's just less farmers farming those acres. Sure. And now you're starting to look at whether it's a case dealership or a deer dealership or New Holland or whoever it is, those dealerships are starting to kind of do the same pattern. Yeah, you know I mean? sure. You're starting to kind of thin out a little bit. So it, it does have a, it, it is a, it's a, there's a trickle down there that, sure. that you got to have to figure out. You know, it's, and I mean, it's kind of, I mean, we're, we're a pretty good size operation. You know, we've, we've got quite a few acres, but you know, anymore, I mean, if they don't hardly want to cater to you, if you're not a, either a custom guy, at least in our area, it's kind of tough to really get, you know, that really kind of one-on-one -on -one service. So to, to the equipment dealers, don't forget about your family farm guys that yeah. still have to get their stuff fixed too, that aren't trading every year. Right. Those are my opinion. They're the they're probably the more important, some of the most important folks you deal with. Yeah. Just because of that is your that's your line to the guy that's going to buy the good quality used sure. equipment. You know, and that's that's where all the risk is at in the equipment business is, is in used equipment. Is in used equipment. Yeah. yeah. You'll have that's the largest asset they own. So you got to turn it. You want to get your cash out of it. That in the shop, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Those two things are, are going to be, you know, the shop is probably your most profitable spot sure shop you know parts and service um and then depending on what the economy is like the the actual selling of machinery might be is a profitable end of it as well you know don't get me wrong but the parts and service side of the business has really carried through this last five years most dealership groups yeah and it's yeah we can tell because the parts are insanely i mean expensive mm -hmm. so i mean it really it really uh i mean there's you can shop around but everybody's going off the same computer i guess yeah. so Really, it boils down to service, right? And that, that's what it all comes down to: is making sure you got the right, the right service, the right time, and all that fun stuff that goes along with that. And we're, you know, of course, a lot of it seems like a lot of our problems are all electronic or computer. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And that remote diagnosing is really big for us. I mean, yeah. if they can get on their computer and, you know, and not hack into it, but, you know, tie into it right. remotely, maybe reset something. Yeah. You know, instead of having them to come out or wait, because you always need them yesterday. Right. You know, so. Yeah, that, that we, we have that same, same deal where you can push different software updates and those kind of things remotely and also do like a, you know, seed codes and those kind of uh-huh. things pop up and remote display access is one of those things too that that really is a lot where they can they can tie into and see what's on your screen, what's on your on your monitor. Right. And so if you're having a hard time getting to wherever or set something or whatever that might be, they can walk you through, you know, push this button, push that button, now set this to that and go on and so forth. So it's there's a lot of stuff we can do now where that that initial drive out here for travel time and mileage is a uh, a lot of that stuff can be kind of negated because they can show up with the right parts now. Yeah. Or they can show up with the whatever, you know, kind of an idea of what they might need to have fixed, you know. So. Yeah, the wrong parts, that's that's a big deal. Yeah. yeah. It's a, we had a, we, we got all the right parts, fortunately. We have a Kinsey grain card, it's 1050, and we uh, we had a, a collapse of the spindle. Oh, it was yeah. loaded. Yep. And um, it's got those freaking five foot wide tire, float flotation tires. Yep. And of course, it was loaded anyway. And Kinsey, I mean, they did a good job. Or actually, it was through our our case dealership, their Kinsey dealer, mm-hmm. and they got it overnighted. And then we got it. I mean, it took longer to we had to lift. We had to get our wheel loader, and we had to lift the uh, cart off of the tire because it was on it. What happened was he was going to the truck, and there's probably a little. I don't know why I'm doing hand motions. Nobody can see it. <laughs> I can't believe I was expecting a camera. A backdrop, maybe a green room, even though this is my house. I mean, what the hell, Casey? I'm sorry. Low budget. <laughs> anyway, so uh, it was like a 15-inch ridge that I built to keep the water from running out in the turn row. And he started climbing up on it. And I don't, I don't it might have contributed, but uh, anyway, it was probably aged. Anyway, and it just broke. And fortunately, it just rested on that tire. And we got our wheel loader, and we... The, the, most time-consuming thing was getting it off the tire and yeah. getting it set up. The repairing it was nothing. Yeah. But um, anyway, so we got fortunately we got the truck underneath it and unloaded it, and uh, it was like a four-inch spindle, yeah. you know. And um, so anyway, got it unloaded, slapped it on the next day, and then we worked for four hours and it rained for the first time in 2018. Right. So we were out of the field for for a week, and uh, anyway, so we fixed it, and then we got. We, I was reading that a lot of times when that happens, the other one goes. Mm-hmm. So we got it in the shop, and we fixed it in two hours maybe yeah. at the most. It's amazing what concrete flooring jacks do. It's amazing, isn't it? So, I mean, it's, yeah. a, it's just it's a modern miracle. Modern miracle. So, That's yeah. Sure. But, no, it, you know, the equipment deal, it's – and I know equipment guys got to make money. That's the reason they're in it. But, yeah, pay attention to their service, and mm-hmm. everybody's happy. Don't overcharge that, you for hauling. That's the big thing, too got to make sure you're all squared away when it comes to your service side because that's I can go out and sell the first one to no problem it's the next the next 10 or 15 that gets sold are going to be because of what sure services that's that's yeah service sales I guess at that point that's that's the god honest truth any sales guy can sell the first one it's so those it's ones the next, that follow yeah, yeah. The next one. that's all because of your parts and service business sure yeah absolutely um what are some of the things you're looking at now in 2019 that you have some, what are your concerns, I guess, for, for 19? 
Well, you know, here, I mean, you like to see the commodity prices higher. Right. But, you know, like, and I know this is for everybody, but, you know, weather is huge. Mm-hmm. We've, I mean, like last year, last two years, we've just been through just epic droughts. And then it rains when it's too late, mm-hmm. you know. Like at 17, it rained. We got eight inches in the fall. We had this, we thought we had this awesome cotton crop. And this is pretty typical here. But we had an awesome cotton crop and it started raining in August. We got like six or seven inches. We yeah. didn't have rain all summer. And, uh, well, we had maybe a couple showers at the best. And, you know, cotton was, we thought we was going to have three bell, you know, really good crop. And then it, it was a bell and a quarter and terrible grades. And then last year, you know, it rained from, it's it, it stopped raining from October of 17 and didn't rain again until, you know, September. Damn near a year. I mean, we've got, we got three inches over 10 or 11 months and that came in like tenths mm-hmm. tenth here a tenth there and you know, obviously that doesn't do anything so you know then our irrigation is the other big thing you know we're solely relying on irrigation for corn and you know of course we've got competition with other industries with the dairies and everything right. and they've really moved in and put some pressure on us so you know that's the biggest thing is nature yeah i mean you know that's the biggest thing and keeping you know equipment you know, that's another good thing about no-till. I mean, our equipment needs drastically reduced. I right. Mean, you know, our sprayer is our number one. I mean, that sprayer, I mean, I think that sprayer pays for itself faster than anything we have. Oh, I'm Maybe sure. except a round baler. Right. Yeah. Because, you know, the application is 6 bucks an acre or six fifty, maybe higher in other places. But, you know, nature and, you know, wouldn't hurt to have a commodity price higher. Right. But, you know, good weather can erase a lot of mistakes and so can high prices yeah but they damn sure show the mistakes when neither one of them show up that's right no that's for sure yeah you look at take a look at what's going on and and you know right now we see our our sale of equipment's peaked quite a bit i mean you read you read the reports i mean case and john deere and everybody cnh deer you know all of them are showing us big spike up in in equipment sales and it's not because anyone has any more money now than they did 2013 or 20 15 yeah. or whatever you know it's the fact that they've they've got uh, you know just the age of what they've got and some guys forced are forced to forced to it's not because they want just because they have to type of thing and you know they're looking at their combine do i take this hundred dollars combine that i've got now or $150,000 combine and do i spend another 20 grand on it again or do I, you know where where am i where am i going to get the uh diminish diminishing returns and all right. that kind of stuff where does it start really kind of affecting that and that's what we're seeing now i mean especially in tractors we're the number of tractors that we've traded in here lately that have got five to ten thousand hours on that's probably a pretty big round but easily five to seven thousand hours is epically higher than we've seen in oh time. really yeah i mean it's just i gotta have a chart that i <clears throat> that i've been tracking and i break everything out into hour groups and you know starts from zero to 300 and then 300 to 500 and 500 to 750 and 750 to a thousand and so on and so forth and when you get to 2000 hours plus because that's where i stopped just like one giant graph so you could probably model the tractors out to probably 7500 hours plus and you'd be have show a little better picture but the thing that caught me was when you look at 175 plus horsepower tractors and, and, and bigger there's about 7,800 of those on the market in in North America, you know, Canada and the U.S. 
you look what's beneath that, there's like 5,000 tractors. Wow. So that just shows you that the amount of, the lack of new production, you know, that, that kind of fill those slots up, and then how many machines got sold back in 2020, uh-huh. you know what I mean? So that's, 2008 or... Yeah. So all of those machines are now starting to come back in, and and you're having this kind of... Baby, so like a baby boom, basically is what it amounts yeah. to. Yeah, I mean, it, and it's one of those things where, you know... It, I said it in one of the past podcasts I was on, but it's like, uh, you know, the equipment market's like an ecosystem. When one part of it gets way out of whack, it just throws everything off. Uh-huh. And that's then that's what we're seeing now. So, yet, you know, you don't have very many um, one- and two-year-old machines on the market. Um, I think that that's going to spike up. But the problem is there's no, the, the machines in the middle are going to be hard to, to come by. Hard to, oh, to come by. Because, because there's not, there weren't enough new ones to replace. to replace those and then most of those guys aren't trading in you know so um let's say you can't get them to trade in but there's just you know there's that there's the ebbs and the flows right. of, of, the, of the inventory so basically you've got a lot of tractors collecting social security right sagging quite a bit yep yeah they drive slow anyway exactly typical old person yep yeah yep and they're about they're all breaking so yeah <laughs> all breaking their hips and <laughs> you yep. know bitching about everything being too loud yeah yep. Yep. So yeah, that's where that's where the, you know. So it's it's going to be a, a kind of a, an odd dynamic when you start looking at, especially when you start looking at the at the price of used equipment. You know, it's expensive. And, sure. And there's a you, you're starting to limit your uh, your buying public when you start when you start looking at that. So, and then couple that with some some pricing or some uh, interest rates kind of creep up a little bit. All of a sudden, it's. Uh, you're yeah, at, it gets cost prohibitive. Sure, you're looking at sixty thousand dollars payments for combine and stuff like that. So, or more. And, yeah, you know. So, you got to be conscious of that, and what does that look like, and how's that all work together, and all the all the dynamics that are, of that, you know. And, and I mean, take you for example. I mean, if you had an option to buy a, a one year old new combine, I mean, you're going to spend three fifty plus to get that combine. I mean, yeah. I mean, the problem is they don't discount it enough. Well, in yeah. my in our opinion, mm-hmm. you're better. I mean, you're just good buying a new one for another two, three. I mean, they're knocking it off like those cotton balers. They're, mm-hmm. I think they're knocking off their trade in. They're knocking off three hundred fifty an hour. That's a supply and demand thing, though. Well, yeah, I know that's a that's kind of, that's a niche deal. But yeah. and then they're selling it back for. And I know that probably it's all for all equipment. But I mean, they're not discounting enough. Just pickups, right. you know, pickups alone. You know, they're. One or two. What does it do you good to buy a year old pickup that's mm-hmm. priced three percent less than a brand new one? I mean, right. what's the point? Right. So, I think leasing is going to be is that thing that that's kind of driven that a lot because people are buying a payment and not a price. Yeah. You know I mean? Oh yeah, it's been that way for and it's that's sure. that's what really drove that market more than anything. So if you take a combine and it could very easily be fifty sixty thousand dollars less than actually that's probably a bad example. Even if it's a combine and you're $150,000 less than the new one, uh-huh. um, you're you're looking at a, a payment structure there of of roughly $20,000 less a year to own it. You know uh-huh. what I mean? But you're looking at probably something that's a $20,000 payment if you lease it. You know what I mean? So you're you can either have a $80,000, $90,000 new payment, or and you can or you can have a a fifty or sixty thousand dollar lease payment, or if you're owning it, you know. Uh huh. But flip that down to a lease on that same use piece, and you might be twenty five thousand dollars for that same thing. So it's all about. I just I've seen so many guys 
that I have tried to play with their equity, you know. Yeah, sure. You know, and that's and they're and they're looking at that and they're trying to figure out how to balance that that cash flow and that equity and where they're at and and leasing has been that thing that's kind of given them that option to to do that. And just because of the conditions we were in, your ability to go out and lease something to where it made a positive cash flow to your business, the leasing brought that to that. So I don't know. There's but there's so there's pros and cons to all of it. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I've all, we've never have really leased anything of great scale. We've always been buyers. Of course. I mean, you know, and I don't mean I've never really planned to lease anything. I've always been bigger on owning it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, obviously that if any everybody could, they would. But yeah, yeah. Let's say cash flow is. I mean, that's the king yeah. deal. You know, it's but, just. Uh, what would it do? What would it do to your? Uh, you think about that if you were to say like, oh, what would it do if you could have take one of your payments and cut it in half and then have the option to buy? Because I always talk like I, I talk about hedging your iron. It's kind of what I okay kind of how I pitch it. You know, so if you lease something, you have the ability to ultimately plan your 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 destiny, right? Uh-huh. So when you go through a three year lease or whatever like that, when you get to the end, you can release it, you can buy it, you can turn it back in, get a new piece, whatever you want to do. Now, what you're doing there is you can play the, well, what's it worth business? My residuals, 100,000 bucks, but we're saying it's worth 125,000 bucks. You're, you're a fool not to buy it, right? Yeah. And type of thing. And then, but also if you're saying it's worth 100,000, that's your residual payment. And we're telling you it's worth 85,000. Well, you're a fool to keep it, right? So it's, Kind of gives you that that latitude to to make those make those choices, yeah. yeah. Whereas if you buy it, not that you're locked into anything, you're locked into at least two. But you have to ride out that that point from A to B where there's you're either going to be upside down for a minute or your your equity position is whatever. You know, there's a lot of things that you kind of have to play with. And if I make one more payment, that puts me in a this that over here. You know, there's a the leasing thing kind of gives you that, but also with interest rates though and depending on what state you're in when it comes to paying property taxes and those kind of things that could really yeah you know the interest rate deal i mean obviously it hasn't been an issue for i mean they're almost giving you money to borrow money right but you know you know i would think you know i'm kind of forecasting kind of the interest rate stalling out yeah maybe maybe not i mean unless we get a big huge trade deal right and the and the debt, you know, and the equity market just blows up and yeah. just shoots for the moon. You know, we get great GDP growth. Yeah. You know, but I bet I don't know. I mean, the Fed's kind of hinted to that. Yeah, you know, they've, they've kind of kind of like, yeah, we're going to slow this down a little bit now, and instead of three, like we projected, we might just do one this year, type of thing. You know, so they, I mean, a lot of that too could be public pressure. I mean, mm-hmm. you know. yeah, I mean, you know, we're our interest rates are still pretty good oh yeah. i mean it's all within you know it's all about our perspective I and mean, we we came from epic low right. interest rates it's not like it's killing us now right yep you know yep so but it's a uh it's a one more thing it's, it's kind of like that deal where you've kind of always like for example if you've always built your operation around two and three and four percent interest rates and all of a sudden they're six and seven right eight, 
how does that affect your, your overall profitability? And, of course, and hopefully you, you locked them in. Well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> but sooner or later, you have to cut, you have to jump back into sure. the market. Sure. Yeah, you got to get back into the market. Yeah. yeah. And just operating notes and those kind of things, too. You know, that's, that's the, Yeah, and you know, even I've farmed for, what, 15 years now or so, and the interest on my operating notes never really bothered me. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, it's never well, yeah, cause you're, affected my decision. It's the principal i got to right, pay back, yeah. <laughs> you know. Because hopefully you're paying it off in the, in the year. You know? Yeah, I mean, I pay it off every year. So, yeah. you know, interest is never, I mean, land notes, you know, they're yeah. pretty obviously. But a lot of our, like on our operation, we're starting to get down to the towards the end payments on a lot of our land. So we're pretty yeah. fortunate there. Yeah. So we've already paid the bulk of our interest. Right. So, but yeah, I mean, you got to watch, watch it. Um, more so than anything, it's your, it's the actual debt you're taking on. Absolutely. So, it's, which that's, that's obvious. Huge, that's a huge advantage too. When you start, you looking at paid for land that you're farming. Sure. Too. Oh yeah. It's a, so that's so, such a big deal. Yeah. Such a big deal. And it's, I mean, it affects all your decisions. I mean, yep. you don't have to, maybe you don't have to plant this or. Yep. You can be a little more, you can be, you can take a risk on us, on us, maybe especially crop or something like sure, that. Sure. Yeah. You you know, your return may not be as what you, you know, yeah. gambling a little bit on, right. on some non-GMO soybeans or something yeah. like that. You know? Yeah, we, that's not a gamble. It's soybeans in the Texas Panhandle is not a gamble. It's a suicide trip. <laughs> we had we had soybeans one year in about two fields, and we watered them. I bet we put 20 inches on them, and it didn't hardly rain much. And I mean, they made maybe thirty bushels. Yeah, just it's just too dry here. It's just too arid. Yeah, they gotta have the. I mean, we we've grown lots of black eyed peas in the past. Yeah, and they're pretty. They're pretty similar to soybeans, and they they hate that dry weather. Yeah. I mean, and then when they want the water, they gotta have it. Yeah, but when they're young, they do not want it. Yeah, and that's a lot of times when we had them. That's when we got our rain is in June. June is a wetter month for us, and if they, I mean if they're two or three inches tall and they get rain, they just turn yellow. It's really, just, it's the drizzles, huh. and then we turn off hot in August, and that's when they're blooming. Yeah, and that's when they want as much as you can give them, and then you're still watering corn. Right, it's yeah. So and then the harvest is a nightmare, and then it's just it's a hard crop. I yeah, mean, and then they don't. You know, we had a couple of years where the price was good. Yeah, but that was two years. But you know, if you can make two thousand, we always shot for two thousand pounds of peas, but they're dry. But we could never hardly ever get that number yep. so and then weed control and everything so yeah yeah it's a it's such a balancing act little p yeah little p talk for you right yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right Brent. well tell me tell me a little bit about uh the dry land farmer podcast for the folks that maybe not have listened to you yet. dry land farmer podcast is the moving iron podcast favorite podcast to listen to when they when they're not recording and uh yeah so we uh, usually drop it on wednesday uh wednesday mornings me and my buddy Landon Nolan, we do a uh, you know thirty to forty minute podcast on absolutely nothing. We pride ourselves on not teaching anybody anything. We pride ourselves on not having a point, and uh, that's how we expect to uh, grow our podcast on nothingness. So, uh, but no, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. We try to make people laugh. There's so much serious crap going on in the world that I mean, people need to laugh at themselves, and we. Uh, you know, used to before. You know, we were talking about how we were running our podcast before we started recording, and you know, I would edit stuff and I would tighten stuff up. And after a while, I'm like, you know what? We're just gonna riff and go. So uh, you know, we we and we always try to not talk about politics. You know, because I mean, we could talk about it all day if we wanted to, but people get enough of that. So if we talk politics, we're making fun of it. Right. And um, so, like I said, it's every week. We're on the 
Global Ag Network along with y'all. And um, it's really, we've had a whole lot of fun. We've been doing it for about, not quite a year and a half yet. But um, we uh, we discuss anything and everything. We might prepare something a week in advance and change our mind when we uh, start recording. Yep. So it's a lot of fun. We're just, we're basically here to make people laugh. And if we... You know they're not all they're not all winners. Some of them are kind of stupid, but you know that's life. Yep. So, but uh, yeah, Dryline Farmer Podcast. We come out Wednesday mornings, and uh, it's a great time. Yeah, yep. yeah. Check them out, guys. If you're listening to this, uh, check out Dryline Farmer Podcast. It's it's one of those deals that you're gonna you're gonna be glad you found it because I I came across uh, you guys probably probably a year ago now maybe right and it was. A lot like that. So I, I, I found you, and I was like, "What's this one?" You know, I was trying to find some ag podcasts, and you're the you're the one that made me laugh. So I keep I keep listening. So well, that's yeah. what we're here for. <laughs> All right, man. Well, we've been jacking our jaws here for a little bit, so I feel like we've got it covered, man. Anything else you want to throw out before we shut it down? No, just uh, we're glad to glad to meet you, Casey. And it's been talking online a whole bunch, and uh, finally got to meet you, and you're. Not as ugly as I thought you were, so <laughs> that's a bonus for everybody. You're the only one that said that. <laughs> well, I try to be thoughtful. I try to. Be, no, we're happy to. Have, really glad to meet you. Yeah, you too, man. It's been a. It's it's cool to meet people after you kind of talked to them for a few times and and never really had a chance to meet. Actually, them. meet right. Pretty cool, yeah, pretty cool deal. So, well, Brent, we'll uh, we'll catch you down the road, man. All right, sounds good, Casey. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Moving Iron Podcast. Remember, if you want to continue any of these conversations, you can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. You can also send me an email at Moving Iron Podcast at MovingIronPodcast.com. You can also visit the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel. Here you can find Morning Market Roundup with Chip Nellinger and Angie Setzer. Also, Tax Moves with Glenn Birnbaum. Moving Iron Podcast is proud to be part of the Global Ag Network. The network is going live soon, so check out GlobalAgNetwork.com for more details and updates. You'll be able to hear Dryline Farmer Podcast, Girls Talk Ag, the Topsoil Podcast, Ag News Daily, Working Cows, and Ask Agnes. Please visit movingironllc.com. Here you can find information, details, and updates for the 2019 Moving Iron Summit in Nashville, Tennessee. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can leave a review and subscribe at your favorite podcasting platform. And you can find this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and SoundCloud. So until next time, let's go move some iron. This is Casey Seymour. Out. iron in the 21st century. Oh.